Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, uh, I am excited to share with you this morning. Love the Psalms. We've been in this now for a couple of weeks, and we're, we're in the third week of our Psalm series. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to jump uh, a little bit further into the book of Psalms than we've been the last few weeks. We're going to jump a little more than halfway through. And today we're going to look at one of, if not the oldest psalm in the book of Psalms, Psalm 90. And so if you have a Bible or a, a phone or you can uh, open up to Psalm 90, it will be on the screen as well. So don't worry about that if you don't have something. Psalm 90 is a fascinating psalm for several reasons. First, uh, Psalm 90 is the first psalm in a section of the book of Psalms called Book 4. In the book of Psalms, we talked about this, I think, two summer psalms series ago, but uh, the book of Psalms is actually broken up into smaller books within the book of Psalms, and so Psalm 90 is the first psalm in the fourth section of the book of Psalms. That clear? Got that? That's a lot, right? Uh, but it's a, it's a great, great psalm, kicking off this next section. But before we get too far into Psalm 90, I want to have a brief look at the psalm that ends the third section, Psalm 89, the one just before Psalm 90. These two psalms work together. However, they're not a set of psalms like, like Psalm 4 and 5 are. We talked about that in the first week of our psalm series. Psalm 89 is, gives important context for Psalm 90 and, and gives it a, 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 lot of, a lot more significance. So let's talk about Psalm 89 for a moment. The context of Psalm 89 is one of the most significant calamities to happen to God's people, the Babylonian exile. At this point in the story of the Bible, God's people has been, have been split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom has already been completely destroyed, and what's left of God's people, the line of King David and the temple where God's people worshipped, are all now down in the southern kingdom. Then come along a group of people called the Babylonians. They conquer the southern kingdom, they destroy the temple, and they take many of God's people away to Babylon as slaves. They steal much of their most valuable treasures. It's, re, it's, it's a seminal event in the story of God's people. It's not good. So when the author of Psalm 89, a guy named Ethan, Ethan the Ezraite, he writes about this event, you expect him to say things like this. And this is exactly what he writes in Psalm 89. He says, how, O Lord, how long will this go on? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your anger burn like fire? Remember how, sh- remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human experience. No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. He's struggling, isn't he? And he's writing powerfully about his reflection about what's happened to God's people here. If you can't tell, he's having a hard time. Uh, Dr. Timothy Tennant, the president of Asbury Theological Seminary, writes this about Psalm 89. The psalmist feels as though God has not kept his side of the bargain, his side of the covenant. He senses God's anger. He sees his strongholds reduced to ruins. Everywhere he looks, he sees the people of God defeated and plundered. The psalmist is distraught. 
He feels as if God has forgotten him and his people, and he believes that God has renounced the covenant. The psalm then breaks into a series of questions which are almost shouted at God. How long, O Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? Where, where is your former great love? Where is your faithfulness that you swore to King David? Where are you? Ever felt like that? <laughs> if you were here last week, we looked at Psalm 18 together, which is a powerful psalm that David wrote, praising God for all the ways that God had saved him from the most difficult experiences of his life. Remember this, Psalm 18 in, in verse 16, he says, you reached down from heaven and you rescued me. You drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who had hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety and he rescued me because he delights in me. Remember, that feels good to read, right? We recognize the story of David. We kind of tracked his relationship with Saul and this is what God did for him. And then we come to Psalm 89. And in Psalm 89, it almost feels like the prayer and praise of Psalm 18 is a distant memory. Things are really hard, God. We don't know what to do, and we need some help. This is one of the reasons why I love the Psalms so much, because all of us can find our story within this story. We see the ebb and flow of what life is like, both the highs and the lows, the good and the bad. We see, we get to see how God responds to individuals in particular and their life experiences. And we also get to see through the Psalms how God responds to world-shaping events. And we could find ourselves in all of that. It's pretty incredible. So in Psalm 89, Ethan is struggling with what's happened to him and his people, but it doesn't end there. Psalm 89 is an incredible psalm. I suggest you go read it. But Psalm 89, there's, uh, Ethan actually expresses unbelievable hope uh, in God, in the midst of all that's happening, in the face of this catastrophe, and the destruction of everything he knows. And I think that at some point in our life, in our faith journey with God, all of us can e- remember times, or maybe we're going through one right now, where we've sensed maybe what feels like silence from God. Where are you? <laughs> You're wondering if, if God was really going to keep his promises. All of us, I think, at times in our life have felt abandoned and alone. This is then where Psalm 90 comes in. This is why Psalm 89 is such a powerful context for Psalm 90. Or Psalm 89 is a powerful context for Psalm 90. Uh, because, remember, Psalm 90 is kind of, Psalm 89 ends that third section. Psalm 90 is the beginning of a new section. So I'm going to read all of Psalm 90 for us. It's a little bit long. It's about 17 verses. But it's so important that we hear it all. We're going to, I'll just, it'll be on the screen. But if you'd like to follow along as well. This is the beginning of this next section. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from the beginning to end, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. For you, a thousand years are uh, as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that despair, disappear. Uh, They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. We, uh, We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. 
We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some, even 80, live to 80. (laughs) Isn't that great? We got you beat, man. Some of us. But uh, even in the best of years, we are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Sound familiar? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. And it ends like this. Let us, your servants, see your work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, may he make our efforts successful. So there's a lot in this psalm, but it's really significant when you think about it in the context of coming out of Psalm 89. In coming out of Psalm 89, it seems like all hope is lost, everything is crashing down, and Psalm 90 takes a step back. Actually, it takes a step way back, long before David and his influence on the biblical narrative, and even long before this Babylonian crisis moment. You see, what's fun is that Psalm 90 is attributed to Moses who obviously lived long before David. So this psalm is a wonderful way to begin a new section because it's both a historical and spiritual stepping back. Psalm 90 attempts to recapture a renewed perspective on life apart from the day-to-day struggles and challenges that we may face. This psalm serves as kind of a reset button after all the anguish and trials of Psalm 89 and the end of, of that third book in the Psalms. It's like taking a deep breath in the midst of all the difficulty. (sighs) Okay, things are bad. But what was God like before all this? What is God like now? And what will God be like in the future when all of this is over? Isn't it? I love thinking about Psalm 90 like this. What I love is that this historical stepping back is that Moses also faced a national crisis, one of the other most significant uh, events in the history of God's people. Uh, Moses obviously was part of the Exodus, if you remember. So I love how the scripture works here, drawing these lines of connection between these two major events in God's, the story of God's people. And after reflecting on what God is like and how we get to reflect on what God is like and we get to ask God, what were you like when this happened so long ago? What are you like now when this is happening? And what can we expect from you in the future? It's like a stepping back. So from the beginning to the end, in life-altering, world-shaping events, all the way down to various moments of our individual lives, when we may feel like we are in the middle of nowhere, we get to see characteristics of God that help us through. And so Psalm 90 starts right away. Remember, we're talking about Moses who's saying this. Think about his story, what you know of his story. Psalm 90 tells us from the beginning, right away, that God is like our home. Our dwelling place, which is always a very key thing when you're in the midst of crisis and struggle, right? You want a place to belong, to where to go, to where you feel safe. 
The word, the word translated dwelling place here in the original Hebrew actually means refuge, shelter, a den, assistance from danger or hardship, a place of rescue, a place to abide in. Moses says this is what God is like. Moses wanted the people to know what, that, what, that God himself had always been and always would be their permanent, immovable, unshakable, eternal home. A place where they can go. A place where they can abide, be present in, no matter what. That's amazing, isn't it? But then you've got to think about who it is that's writing this. What's incredible is when you think about the fact that Moses was a man without a home for almost his entire life. This brings so much significance and power to this. He didn't belong with the Egyptians when he was younger. He was a shepherd in the desert for years before God called him to go back to Egypt. And once he said that, once he set God's people free, he wandered through the desert with the Israelites for more than 40 years. And finally, he never got to go into the promised land, the place that God had designated as their new home. Moses was a wanderer. The first thing he says is, God is like your home. Whoa. How powerful is it when you think that this man who starts Psalm 90 by saying, God is like our home, never had a place to belong. He knows what he's talking about. When everything feels unsettled, you're not sure where to go. Moses looks you in the eye and says, you know what? Lord, through all generations, all generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before, the, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from the beginning to the end, you are God. Oh, that's where you start, is what Moses is saying. So we're taking a step back. God, what are you like in all this difficulty? Well, the first thing we need to recognize is that God is like our home, a place where we can always go, always available to us. The invitation is always open What are you facing in your life? What challenges are on the horizon for you? Do you feel unsettled, unsure of where to turn in any particular situation or in any particular relationship? The scripture reminds us that we have a never-ending, always enduring place to return. And that God has proven himself this way time and time again, generation after generation after generation. This is a characteristic of God. He did it in Moses' day. He did it in the context of Psalm 89 and the Babylonian exile. He's doing it today, and he always will be your home. Praise the Lord. Amen. I think uh, another really cool kind of next thing that Psalm 90 helps us understand, which it's cool, but it's difficult to read. It's significant for us, but it's, it's hard. Psalm 90 helps us understand that we are frail, that we are finite, <laughs> That God is powerful and infinite. There's a really helpful aspect of Psalm 90 putting us in our place. And not, not so much putting us in our place, but helping us understand who we are compared to God. Because it calls us to trust a God who is way beyond us. And I'm so thankful for that. It's an important perspective that we're frail, we're finite, God is powerful, and God is infinite. This is an important perspective when things get out of control. Especially maybe when we're trying to fight for control. That's what we tend to do, right? I don't know what, I don't really like this. I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm going to try to control things. And Psalm 90 says, you're going to, that's not going to go well for you. (laughs) You only have a limited perspective. Let's be mindful of who God is. So in verse 3, Moses says, you turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. For you, a thousand years 
is as, uh, are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that spring up in the morning. Isn't that great? That's really fun to read, huh? In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it's dry and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, even our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to eighty. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Uh, Your wrath is as awesome as the fear that you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. God, we need to recognize, is the powerful creator of all that is. That's something that, at least for me, I need to be reminded of constantly because I keep trying to wrestle control from God, whether it's in particular situations or more broadly. God is the powerful creator and sustainer of all that is. Amen? In contrast, humanity is mortal, finite, and our lives are short. We can't see the whole picture. However, God's perspective is eternal and timeless. God has the bigger picture of what's happening about our place in the world and all the events that are happening around us. And he is faithful and will lead us and guide us, empower us by his spirit and direct our steps. What we have to do is to trust him. So the question is, are you trusting him? (laughs) Our days come and go. The psalmist invites us to think about how short our life is compared to eternity. This is humbling, but it's important. The psalmist also invites us to rely on and trust God in times both good and bad because we can't see it all. Now, a lot more could be said about this section. Uh, the, there's, the psalmist uses these kind of large concepts that help, uh, to help us uh, feel and understand the, the difficulty of our situation um, compared to God, he uses things that he comments on the anger and the wrath of God or returning humanity to dust. He, he talks about these kind of things. In the psalmist, in these languages, these are actually reverential and enthronement type of sayings that he's, that he's using, trying to put God in his place. And so when we read that, we're like, oh, wow, are, are you still angry, God, that we're all about to, you know, are you going to snap your finger and we're turning into dust? Uh, maybe you've seen those Marvel movies. I don't know. Uh, that's not how God works. God is, at, God is or I mean, the psalmist is using enthronement language, reverential language, to put God in the context of who he is compared to us. And finally, the last thing that Psalm 90 does, there's lots of things, but it's really important to notice these few things, is it helps us to refocus on God's incredible love, reminding us that not only does he love us, but he keeps his promises and he's completely faithful to the covenant. In Psalm 90, starting in verse 13, it says, O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery and replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see your work again. Let our children see your glory. And May the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. I love this word unfailing love that the psalmist used here. It's a key word in this psalm and in other psalms as well. It's often translated as loving kindness. 
and it's based primarily on his unshakable loyalty to his people or even to a particular person. What this is saying is God is unshakably loyal to the promise that he's made to you and me. He doesn't, like the psalmist in Psalm 89 is like, God, have you forgotten the covenant? Absolutely not. (laughs) Have you forgotten us? Absolutely not. He he has unfailing love. His loving kindness is a full-fledged, complete commitment to who he is and what he said he's done. Wow. So here's, thing, here's one thing that we know about God, and we see it through all the scripture, that he's really good at keeping his promises, and he's really good at being with his people. Amen? Even, in the, even when we don't see it or we don't feel like it, God is there. So Psalm 90, after a difficult circumstance, takes a step back, reminds us of some of the foundational characteristics of God, which are both encouraging and challenging to us and to our faith. He's our ever-enduring home, where we belong. He is eternal, everlasting, and powerful, while our perspective is limited. He's always faithful to his promises, giving us the gift of his loving presence, even here and now as you sit in this room. So what circumstances are you potentially trying to handle on your own? What questions are you wrestling with but not bringing to God? Where might you be trying to wrestle control, not asking where God is in this or where he's leading? Is there any of area of your life where you might feel alone or on your own? Psalm 90 helps us know where we can go with all these issues and tells us what God is like, what he was like generations ago, what he's like in our current context, and what he will always be like in the future. Worship team, would you come on back up? Uh, another pastor I read as we end this time together, another uh, pastor I read uh, this week wrote this, that the psalmist now shows us the way forward. Uh, what is the basis, he shows us what is the basis for optimism and hope for the future. It is the Lord, amen? <laughs> the psalmist believes in an abundant future that will make the days of sorrow a distant past. And this psalm reminds us of this hope. It provides a prayer for when we find ourselves in the days of darkness. I love the psalms. I hope that the Lord is speaking to you through these powerful ways, encouraging your faith, asking you to follow more and more in, in, to, to what he's called you to do and to who he is, and giving us confidence as we do. Let's pray together, and then we'll sing this last song.